0: And welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. We continue with our interviews with cast members from Roger Corman's unreleased Fantastic Four movie. In the past, we've had on Alex Hyde-White, who played Mr. Fantastic Reed Richards. Kat Green, who played Alicia Masters, the Thing's girlfriend. This week is Rebecca Staub, who played Sue Storm, the Invisible Girl. She discusses her experiences making the movie and just like the legacy of the film discuss how really close-knit the cast and crew really was during filming. This film was taking on a life of its own being unreleased and just having bootleg copies and being posted on YouTube rather than it being released and kind of falling by the wayside. I really hope that it does get an official release and somehow they get put in at least some of the cast members get put in the uh, upcoming Fantastic Four movie when this is made by Marvel. Rebecca has also had a great career. She played Kristen in the Seinfeld episode The Pledge Drive. And we talk about just how long you should keep greeting cards. It, that was a common theme in that episode. She had memorable roles on Cheers. She was in Beverly Hills 90210. 210. She played Brenda's bitchy boss in the boutique. And we discuss the movie Love Potion number 9 with Tate Donovan and Sandra Bullock. Rebecca had her memorable Seen a couple scenes in that movie. She shares some great stories from her whole career, and I hope you enjoy them. So, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely my pleasure. I think we'll yeah. have some fun.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, what's, like, the last two years been like for you? I mean, every, you know, we're hopefully out of this pandemic now. Um, just, like stories, anything, you know, positive, negative, what's been like what the last two years? Been like?
1: no, it's all been, it's all been good. You know, it was funny because even when the pandemic started, I mean, gratefully we didn't, you know, suffer any, any losses. I know so many people did. And so it's not to take any of it lightly, but there was an element of um, almost tranquility. You know, we really appreciated everything slowing down. Right. kind of getting to stay home or if you had to go out in la you could drive and get there right uh so the downtime, we we somewhat welcomed but then you know we both we i i was really working the whole time i mean gratefully because i i can work in canada so yeah lockdown started in march and i went up in july and i had a um quarantine of course but then after quarantine and I started working right away. And so it 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 was weird to be, you know, back on movie sets that, you know, you've been used to for 40 years, but it was just so different with all of the, the COVID rules. But, you know, I think it was harder on the crew than on the cast because for the entire, you know, 18, 19 hour day, you know, they were masked and goggled and right. face screens. And like, we couldn't be in the same room at the same time. And so those productions were a little peculiar because it didn't have the same camaraderie as you normally have on a, on a TV or movie set, because we literally like could not talk to the crew, like outside of hair and makeup and like one sound person who would mic us. Those are the only people we could even be Hmm. around. So like, so it was, it was different but everybody was so grateful to still be able to work, right. you know, when when so many people couldn't. And then you know you just kind of get used to the protocol. So it was nice because I, I I was actually on location in Winnipeg. And that's fun too. I love working on location because, as as a cast, you kind of stick together a little bit more than when everybody's at home because right. after work you just all go home. Whereas when you're on location, after work you're like. Well, what are you guys going to go do? What are you going to go do? So, you know, you're a little bit more of a family. And so that was kind of a nice thing, even though it was COVID and we weren't, you know, out socializing or anything. We had to stick together because for, you know, production has a rule that you have to stay in your bubble. Right. So all we had was each other. (laughs) So there was something kind of nice about it. And, uh, you know, so I was in Winnipeg for that movie And then right after that, uh, I went back to Vancouver and I was working on Love Hard, uh, which is a movie that I did starring Nina DeBrev and Jimmy O. Yang and James Sato and uh, uh, several other really, really, really good actors. And that film was it it, not only was it phenomenal to work on the end product reflected, Mm -hmm. you know, what it really the quality of of the script the quality of the you know cast and crew and production and you know all the actors so again even though it was covid and we had a strange you know you're just all you know everybody lived through it you know how it wasn't you couldn't do anything normal I think we made a really brilliant movie under not so good circumstances because, you know, when, plus it's Vancouver where it rains all the time right. in the winter. And so in addition to all the, you know, COVID crap, you've got like crappy rain. But it, so it was, you know, you kind of go, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times that the best of the time superseded the worst of times because that was just—I mean, to this day, one of my favorite projects that I've ever worked on. It's a Netflix movie called uh, *Love Hard*, and if you haven't seen it, I don't know if it's on Netflix right now because it's somewhat of a in the Christmas category. Right. It's not only really a Christmas movie; it's a it's a romantic comedy, but it takes place at Christmas, and it—I think it, it, it was really surprising to audiences because you know, you're like, oh, this will be all just, you know, like a sweet little romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. And you just think, but it's really funny. I mean, really funny. And and it's really touching. You know, like the first time mm-hmm. I'm sitting there crying, I'm like, am I just crying because I play the mom and I'm like, it's touching to me. But everybody said, oh my God, like we just didn't expect it to be so sweet. Right. And and really elicited a, a real emotional response. So that was kind of my first chunk of covid And then really that, you know, the second year was pretty much the same, you know, that when I was home, it was nice to be home. And when I was working, it was nice to be working. So it wasn't, you know, I just think I, I, I was really fortunate and I was very grateful and a lot of, a lot of good came out of that time and even just like on a personal note one of my best friends from from la happened to be up in vancouver for the same time she was working on big sky okay um but she's not as you i'm more used to vancouver because it's kind of my second home but for her she was just working on the location so she was a little bit of a fish out of water plus then lockdown. plus right. you have to stay in your production bubble like all anybody was allowed was like no. production or immediate family well, since I was by myself and she was by herself, you, you know, it was like, well, I guess we're each other's immediate family. And so there was a nice little pocket of time that I got to really spend one-on-one oh, with funny. my LA best friend while we were both just in Vancouver in the rain. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, we mm-hmm. had our little corner restaurant that, you know, was all COVID safe and they always saved us a corner outside on the patio because we were literally there like every day like that was our table and so you know we got to know everybody at the restaurant you know i think those little things you know like they were pockets of of comfort and and pockets of of closeness that that you know we were fortunate enough to experience during covid when you know i know it 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 was really hard for a lot of people so at least i got to make the best of you know what would other otherwise not have been such a fun situation
0: right absolutely and now seeing what's going on in the country now staying in vancouver winnipeg might not be such a bad idea exactly yeah
1: yeah yeah it's yeah yeah i mean what is going on i know (laughs) you know you know i can't say and i don't want to like get political about it you know but it it's not like it's like, it doesn't take me by surprise.
2: No.
1: You know, you just go back to a certain year. I won't say what year. And certain people had certain reactions. And, you know, I, I saw the writing on the wall way back when. Because you knew what was possible. And it's just happening. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where it continues or turns around. We'll see.
0: Yeah, I mean, because I have a twelve year twelve year old daughter, which obviously I'm not worried about that right now. But and we live in the Northeast where it's protected; it's totally fine. But yeah, you, you never know. You absolutely never know, and it's but
1: then it just it, it's, it's the snowball like like yeah. that was like the huge bomb that was dropped. But then you know, there's an, there's another ruling today. There's going to be another yep. one tomorrow. There's exactly. another one on Friday, yeah. and you just go. It's that snowball. That, yeah. you know, is. Uh, yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, the only thing you think of is term limits for the courts, I mean, that's really the only thing you should not have a lifetime appointment on something that's so, uh, you know, important,
1: that, you know, that, that, that they're not elected officials anyway. No, they get to rule on the entire country and they're ruling against the majority. Right. And so regardless of your politics, there's just math. Yeah. And, and you know, it's a democracy or it's a republic, whatever you want to call it, there's still math. And and I think one of, you know, the biggest discrepancies in our system is just, unfortunately, every vote doesn't count. You're absolutely right. And those of us who live in communities where, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm from the Midwest. I grew up, I was born in Kansas and grew mm-hmm. up in Nebraska, so you know, I'm relatives that are on the opposite Mm -hmm. end of the spectrum, but it's like land doesn't vote. And that's, what's always frustrating to me, you know, living in California and being a California voter, because by the time it gets to California, it's kind of like, our vote doesn't count Uh, anyway. We're like the fifth largest economy in the world. Right. We just go, but our vote doesn't count in our own country, you know, relatively by, by the way, it's, it's all set up. And so, you know, if you're going to look at the silver lining of, of what's happening now is just go, well, then hopefully there will be some restructuring. In hopefully, in, I, I mean, yeah. it has to, or, you know, yeah, I mean, I mean, then the, I mean, the, my, my name, then the, I, I can't even say the opposite, but it's like my neighbors across the street are Ukrainian, you know, like their family, like is over there, like, right right now and so you're just like you know getting hit from every angle it's like what is going on like how how do how does like one person or a very small minority
2: yeah.
1: you know construct these kinds of tragedies you know these kind you know what's happening there and what's happening here it's it's because it's a very small voice that are making these huge things happen that are affecting millions of people's you know their lives and their futures and their children's futures it's like what what happened to just everybody having a vote everybody having a voice because we you know we don't right so i know
0: yeah well let's uh let's go to happier times right now because hopefully the happier times will return soon enough but uh one of my favorite all-time shows is seinfeld (laughs) <laughs> and you had you had probably one of the most. There were so many different layers in your episode. There were so like storylines going there on.
1: Like seven, aren't there? Like seven storylines. Yeah. In twenty-two minutes.
0: Right. It's it, it's crazy.
1: And they all have like a beginning and a middle, not necessarily an end. Like some of them are right. ongoing. You know, yeah. like with the the Snickers bar type of thing. Yeah. When you talk about absolute genius, how do you have seven stories in twenty-two minutes?
0: Right. Yeah. And I don't want to bury the lead, but you played Kristen in the Pledge Drive yeah. episode. So, you know, um, but yeah, it was the Czechs. It was the Snickers bar. It was the Yankees. It was the High Talker. It was. Um,
1: and, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nana, you Uncle said
0: that. Leo, you know, and yeah. I mean, it, was, it was so many you know, different storylines. That's what the beauty of the writing in that show is it's just is fantastic.
1: What was like so unique about that week <coughs> that we were there? Because, I mean, for the people that don't know how a sitcom is... is you know, it's, it's basically a Monday to Friday right. event. You know, Monday, everybody comes for the read-through, and that's about it. Writers make adjustments. You come back Tuesday, and you read through it again, and then you just kind of put it on its feet. You know, you just kind of do rough blocking, like you're actually on set, moving around. This is where you walk through the door. What happens if you cross to the refrigerator, blah, blah, blah. Third day, then they kind of bring the cameras in to... You know, kind of mark the blocking as well. Thursday, you know, like you kind of tweak. You go through it with the fine-tooth comb. Friday, you shoot it. Well, this particular episode, the director, Andy Ackerman, got sick the very first day. Oh, wow. So we actually didn't even have a director okay. for that episode. And so Jerry and... Um, uh, Larry David? Yes, thank you. <laughs> I was like, I haven't had any coffee yet. Right. Larry <laughs> David just took over that. On one hand, you know, it's a machine that just... Yeah run itself. But the fact that there was no technical director but then we had Jerry and Larry David who was really kind of fun because it was it was really just more like playing. It's like, I don't know what do you want to do? Yeah, that right. works. Yeah, try that. Hey, that's kind of fun. Right. Yeah, sure. All right. right, let's. And so it was like super just casual and and uh, and then it was also and I've talked about this when I've done mm-hmm. other other uh, talks shows. so forgive me if, if it's mm-hmm. repeated. It was also the same week that they were the the Emmys were on Sunday like we were shooting that whole week and the Emmys were Sunday and the the theme of the Emmys that year was women in comedy and so of course being Seinfeld everybody had little sketches that they were doing for the Emmys as well um except for Julie Louis-Dreyfus that somehow in the Emmy world, there was a gigantic oversight. Oh, wow. And, and like, she didn't have yeah. a part of it. And so there was that kind of drama going on, you know, but, I mean, in an okay way, not in a negative way, right. of just getting her implemented into into the Emmy show. But then on the side, you know, Jerry and Jason and, and you know, all those guys, like, everybody was kind of working on their other sketches, their Emmy sketches <laughs> on the side. Right. And so it was just kind of like this – It, it You know, I when I just have to say, like, it really just kind of felt like playing, you know, because everybody's just in the studio. And if you're here doing that, somebody over there is doing that. And and then I actually I knew Jerry from before one of my best friends from Omaha actually used to open for Jerry. And so before Jerry was as big as Jerry was, I mean, he was a huge stand up. Every time they came to New York, like we would all get together and and hang out. So I knew Jerry peripherally, like not right. super well, but you know we would hang out. You know we'd go for pizza. We went to a Mets game, right? And so it was funny. Then so then when I was there that day, he's like, "Oh my god, are you? Not, you're not in New York yeah. anymore?" It's like, "No, I live in LA." And so it was funny, you know, seeing him yeah. again. And then Jason was just he, he's just so fun and funny. And so when there were other scenes going on that they're rehearsing down on the floor and stuff that we're not in, he and I would just be kind of up in the rafters, just cracking up. Like it was just almost like high school. Right. You know, he and I would just sit up there and laugh and, you know, he was telling me all kinds of stories. And the sweetest thing is Uncle Leo every day, like when we would break for lunch. Right. he, He would come to my dressing room and knock on the door and put out his arm and he's like, "Can I ask, escort you to lunch, Rebecca?" And so he would he would take my arm yeah. and he would walk me uh, across the uh, across the
0: lot. Oh, that's great! To the
1: commissary, and I would sit and have lunch with him every day, and it was so. Oh. And then he would walk me back. Right.
0: Oh man. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, Len Lester. He was fantastic on that show. <laughs> really- oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, what it you know to be you know like a mature actor and have a character that is that glorious right i mean every actor wants that their whole career but you know i mean how nice that that he got some and he was just oh my god just the kindest most generous brilliant man
0: yeah you you look at like him and like frank stiller they both were like these over-the-top characters that just you know they They delivered every time they were on screen. They really did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a, that was a really fun show. You know, I did Ellen too. Ellen. It was so much fun. Did, did, I don't know. Did you, it was called, uh, what was my Ellen episode called? I'm totally blanking out right now. It was, but it's the episode.
0: sister-in-law, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, because I marry yeah. Ellen's brother.
0: That's right, yeah. So
1: that was such a blast. Again, a week with, right. you know, the same kind of format. Yeah. But the whole, you know, it's a wedding. Right. And so everybody was there. So it's so fun to be on a show, like, yeah. when the entire cast is there. And everybody's, you know, sitting around, like, during the reception. And it really felt like a reception. And it really felt like, right. like it, it was so much fun to have everybody around. And Ellen is just Genius, and so mentioning like the reception scene, she would just be improvising. You know, she's she's like giving the speech, but every time we ran that scene, she would just do something totally different. And so when you when you watch that, the 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 cuts where they cut away of us, you know, at the table laughing at her at her toast, you can just see every. It is so genuine. (laughs) Everybody was just falling off their chairs like she's just genius she's yeah. so quick uh so so yeah those two sitcoms were particularly fun i mean not only because of the people and right. the, and and the the material yeah. but because of the the situations within the situation yeah. when we, right. when we shot those so i've got great memories of, uh, of those. That, and that, cheers, cheers uh, the yeah. same
0: right yeah i'll get to cheers in a sec because I, oh. I love cheers that's i'm
1: jumping ahead I'm I'm gonna, it's, it's, quite a right.
0: it's quite all right yeah another one of my all-time favorite shows <laughs> um so with, with your Seinfeld episode obviously you know jerry threw out your greeting card which which offended you but in real life like how long do you keep a greeting card whether it's on the fridge or a table mantle oh no i'm not <laughs>
1: i'm a card keeper okay i have to say and then uh and then you discover them years later. Yeah, exactly. And on one hand, you're just like, oh, that's so sweet. And on the other hand, you're like, I cannot believe I've kept these. Right. Yeah. And I have actually had some that have been so far packed away for so long that when I got to those boxes, a few of them, only a few, you're kind of like, right. wait a minute, who's this? Who's who's this who's this guy, Mark? You know, I'm just yeah, kind of like, right. you know, that's bad yeah. when you've had cards so long. So, uh, I, uh, I, <laughs> I don't keep them as long anymore, yeah. but yeah, I really used to. Yeah. I, 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 ones, you know, that are more, more, uh, you know, more, impo- you know, more important, right, of course. Yeah. more emotional about than others. Yeah. You know, like I, like I, from yeah. my grandma and grandpa. And, right. You know, that. Cause even now that's the cool thing. Even now looking back is, is people's handwriting. Like, I love, like, I could, out of a thousand handwriting samples, I could pick out my grandma's handwriting. I right. could pick out my dad's handwriting. And so that, more than the card, it's that. Because even now that my dad's gone, you know, I'm so thankful that I say My dad had, un, oh, my God, the hmm. most gorgeous handwriting. Right. Really. And I don't, there, there's something very... Valuable to me and, and tender and emotional. That whenever I see something with my dad's handwriting, so now I kind of I save the cards more for that. For that. Yeah,
0: I, I see now since everyone is just like texting or emailing, people don't write as much anymore. So it just like I, I've always had the worst handwriting. So when, when I get a card from my wife, she's like, "Did you sign this? Who, who wrote this?" I can you know because it's 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 terrible but it's like it's true no one no one writes anything anymore you know it's it's sad
1: i'll still you know like there's certain times a year and certain occasions that i do still send cards and it's so funny my husband's always like he's like that's so sweet he's like nobody does that anymore he's like that's so sweet that you're sending a card you know and i'm like well it shouldn't be that unusual it's like people should do yeah. this, you know, that I was like, I didn't know I was doing something so uncommon, but right. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. cut down considerably. My goodness. You right. know,
0: I, I got my wife, I think, I forgot what year it was. We were celebrating an anniversary. I repeated cards by mistake. So from like maybe our third anniversary to our sixth, I ended up getting the same card. And, you know, she called me out on it. I'm like, oh, shit. So I, now I know where she keeps her card. So I kind of like cycle through it maybe a month before. So I know exactly which ones I've got in the past. Because sometimes the stores still still stock the same cards after a while. So I got to make sure that I know <laughs> or at least write something different.
1: <laughs> That's, you know, but it's a little bit of testimony that apparently whatever the card is saying is, is accurate the yeah. fact you know, that you would un- unknowingly pick the same card as several times I mean obviously it's, it's saying something that's yeah. meaningful and applicable so right I think it's a horrible thing
0: yeah what I should do is just like s- find the saying that I really like take a picture of it and just write a note and just <laughs> give it to her that way and just maybe she'd appreciate it a little more than just <laughs> finding my name to a card you know plagiarizing them but not you know in, in a different type of way <laughs> yeah
1: yeah but you know i mean you can yeah you can look up stuff online these days too. oh absolutely
0: yeah well
1: it's like you know a message for a four-year-old birthday i mean you yeah. can get like, so specific right and a lot of times yeah you don't steal them but you go oh yeah oh that's sweeter oh it's that's a, that's a more interesting way to yeah. phrase that or something right. you know it's yeah. not stealing because now there's the right. internet
0: right which <laughs> feels on there anyway but yeah the greeting car business is alive and well and that's never going <laughs> away.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah yeah okay you mentioned cheers and i've loved your episode too which which was fantastic you get the free uh trip to atlantic city and you know the guys at the bar hear it and sammy swoops in and uh you know gets on your your uh, free trip but um How different was that show, the prep and everything, compared to, say, like, Ellen and Seinfeld?
1: You know, I mean, it was... Those guys, it was such, uh, like, automatic that... I mean, every day I'm like, we're done? Like, we would, like, run through it. I'm like, all right. I'm like, that's it. We're not going to do it again. Because they were so... It was just in their bones like they were pros they knew what they were doing they know what the end result was going to be and even sometimes I'm like oh and not like oh they're not trying hard but you know like being in a young actress at the time it's like oh you know and then of course the night that we shoot you know then it's like you know four thousand percent perfect spot on everybody's you know got you know because it's like there's no need to play it at a hundred percent for days. You know, they just it right yeah. for when the cameras roll, because, yeah. you know, it was just, it, I mean, that, that show was just so easy yeah. because it's like, all right, you're done. I was like, well, okay. Then the next day you run through it once. All right, you're done. It was like, yeah. wow, really? We're going home already? So they were just, it was just easy. Yeah. I mean, there's right. no other way to put it. But, God, it was funny. You know that episode? You know who was cracking me up? Because that was the episode that Fraser and Lilith got married.
0: Exactly. Fraser's uh, mom comes woman, back. Yeah.
1: The woman playing the mother. And I don't right. even know this actress's name. Oh, my God. She was genius. And there is a line from that show that I still use to this <laughs> day that she says something. She goes, you couldn't be more wrong if your fanny was screwed on backwards. Right. I just... <laughs> That slayed me. I do not know why. I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever heard. So to this day, I'm constantly going. You could not be more wrong if your fanny was screwed on backwards. <laughs> right. I just I don't know why. That. Right. Yeah, she,
0: and she <laughs> rattled Carla with that too. Carla didn't have any comebacks, so that was just like brilliant. Who you know, she would just. You know, she was the smartass of the bar until that episode. So that, that was that was great.
1: <laughs> oh, I I have to watch that again. You know, that's the funny thing because. <laughs> Although these were quite a while ago. <laughs> and so it's so funny, you know, because even if they're repeating, life, I'm just kind of, you know, flipping channels or going right. through the guide and you see, oh, there's a bunch of Seinfelds, I'll kind of yeah. flip through them to go, oh, is mine going to be on? Right. And so I'll set it just to record it. And it's so funny, so I'll sit with my husband, and I'll say, oh, honey, look how young I was. Oh. I'm like, I wish you would have known me then. I'm like, oh, look how pretty I was. And he's so sweet. He's like, honey, yeah. you're so pretty. But it is funny when you realize, or I guess when you forget, how much time has gone by. Right. So that I watch those, and I'm like, I just, because it doesn't feel that long ago.
0: It really doesn't.
1: So much has happened since then, or you realize, yeah. So it's funny to go back and watch, because they're yeah. time. It's time. It's a time capsule, right? And you go, oh, I'm part of this time capsule, you know, because there's stuff that we do every day that you know we completely forget 35 years later. Yeah, and there's these these little nuggets of of time that'll never change.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you had red hair in that episode
1: for the Seinf- Seinfeld. Seinfeld, Seinfeld. Yeah, it was red. Yeah, I yeah I was going through you know, I mean, I'd always been blonde and then it was funny for a while then, because, you know, that's when I was like still a a young actress (laughs) and I wanted to be taken more seriously. So first I dyed my hair dark. I dyed it really dark brown, but it just, you know, like, I think, you know, I think like people see you away. And so then while it was still dark, then I cut it shorter. Now. Short and dark, and I still worked, you know. I think with it short and dark, I did a uh, was it Walker Texas? No, I know I did. I think, yeah, I did. I think I did a Walker Texas Ranger when it was. Oh, and I did uh, why am I just blanking out on the one the one that Dick Van Dyke was on?
0: Oh, uh, Dina, Dinosaur yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. So I did that, and then you know, then like my hair's not really dark, and so then okay. it starts to fade. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I'll just dye it red now. (laughs) So, but actually I kept my hair red for a long time. You know, because red's kind of, as an actress, as a redhead, you kind of, you qualify for more in a way because A, you're a redhead. B, it's kind of like you're a blonde, but you're not really a blonde. Blonde. If if they need a blonde, but you're a red, it's like, well, it's still kind of fun. And if they really need a brunette, but you're not brunette, it's like, well, She's not blonde. And so it was, it was red was like a happy medium, like for a long time. But, uh, I mean, anybody who's not a natural redhead knows that red is very, it's hard to maintain. And especially my hair just always wants to go back to blonde. My hair wants to blonde. My hair just fades (laughs) all the time. So, you know, I get just tired of maintaining it. and Then I go back to blonde and then whatever it was a chunk of years ago, I went back to Hmm. red again and. and i think i'm done i don't think i'll you know i'll do red like if i need to for a role role, right but uh you know yeah because i was on a series uh this live shot and my hair was my hair was red for that whole series right so
0: Yeah. yeah um and speaking of seinfeld we lost recently one of the the best uh guest stars in that show's history philip baker hall and you worked with him in a house on a hill um what was he like and just working with him?
1: He's he was just exactly like you would think he was. That right. he was very um I'm gonna have to say kind of a man of few words. Um, you know, serious, professional, uh cerebral, uh, disciplined. Right. So uh yeah, it was it was it was really neat working with him. I mean, I just uh, there there's a scene in that movie where because he played he's an architect and he's right. designing my house, and he provides a model, and then I proceed to kind of remodel yeah. his model, and it's a really long scene where I'm just like blah 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 blah. I mean, I've got dialogue yeah. up one side and down and the other. Is probably- And I remember when when we shot it, it just blew everybody away because like I did like the entire scene in one take and the director's like, okay, hold on. I'm just going to make a couple of camera adjustments because I'm going to keep this scene as one take. I'm not going to do any cuts at all. And so he kind of rearranged some, you know, just camera stuff so that he could capture everything. And we did it one more time straight through and it was like, all right, moving on, right. and that never happens in Philip Baker Hall, like, mm. it made me feel so good that he was so, mm. you know, I have to say, you know, like impressed right. with this young actress just mm. to go, wow, so it it made me feel very, very credible mm. and uh, trusted, right. you know, because when you're working with someone of his caliber, you, you have to be at the top of your game, Um, and, and it made me, he, he, he gave me the ability to feel confident and he allowed me to feel like a peer, you know, instead of being more dominant or dismissing me. Right. I remember in that scene in particular, he, he, he was very generous so that you know it just kind of gave me the i mean he empowered me just to really completely take charge of a scene as as the character did and right. as an actress in his presence he uh y- you know and you don't always get that that dynamic so i just he, he was he was just such a wonderful man he, he was a really you know, it's just, it's funny when, um, you know, some of the, these characters that just are actors that have so much gravity, like uh, like Peter Falk. Right. Same same kind of thing I, I worked on Columbo. Again, I don't mean to be jumping ahead. Oh, no, here. it's totally fine, yeah. But uh, Peter Falk and I worked together on Columbo. And, you know, like, he's like somebody, like, you grow up watching, you go. Yeah. And so it's those kind of, when I work with actors that I watched at, home as a kid, you know, right. on my parents' TV. And sometimes you're just like, ah, like you kind of revert, like inside yeah. you're just really like a nine-year-old going, right. Peter Falk, I'm working with Columbo. <laughs> and uh he was, it was the same kind of thing. He's so, he's so meticulous. And, and you would think, you would think this guy could play that character with both hands tied behind his back. Like here's a guy who could come in and do one take and leave. Right. He was such a consummate actor that he would, you know, apart from everyone else, like we would either, you know, just rehearse or talk through. it. Then on his own, he would walk through and walk through and walk through, or if you're sitting at a table, like he would sit down and get up and sit down and, get, and just work all the teeny tiny movements and focus and, you know, I'll pick up the paper that he would pick up the paper 17 times, like just until he got it.
2: Right.
1: Right. And so all of the things that just look, well, whatever, he walked in the room, he sat down, he picked up the paper, you know, you're just like, no big deal. And you go, it was every, it, it, it was so calculated and, and for a purpose it was reasonable. And, and I just always remember standing back and watching him, and it was the best master class. And so it's, it's in that same caliber, like Philip Baker Hall and and Peter Falk and and certain actors. Oh, I worked with Judy Davis. Okay. Again, one time, and it is, it's like, at least I, I feel like at least I had the sense, you know, even though you're young and, yeah. and you know, starstruck and overwhelmed, right. at least I had the sense to watch them you know, from even far and, and, and go take note of this and take note of that. Um, and so even though there's like a million things now, when I look back at my career as a younger actor that I wish I would have done, you know, you're just constantly going, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do, (laughs) but you go, at least I feel like I, I, I like gathered certain jewels from, from these, these priceless performers, who were, they were only doing their job. Like they weren't doing it to show me anything or to show off or to, you go in, in their focus and in their, uh, precision, you know, I just feel like, oh, thank you. You know, that I garnered a few little gems that, that I, I carry with me, you know, and there's certain actors that sometimes you know you work with and you're like oh note to self you know be like that when you have an opportunity or you know so was
0: there yeah was there ever an actor that you you know I don't know maybe like a younger actor that really really impressed you like you didn't think much of going in or I I didn't say that maybe no expectations and then really like you know surprised you
1: yeah you know it, there is, and it was funny, it was the next person I was going to mention, because it wasn't... It was more on a personal level, was Connie Selica. Oh, okay. I worked with Connie Selica on... It was a Glenn Larson production called P.S. I Love You. Uh, it was her and Greg Evigan, and we shot it in in Palm Springs. And again, you know, early in my acting career. And it wasn't anything that she did... I mean, her acting, you know, of course. Right. I didn't really have scenes with her, so I wasn't really with her on set but it was how how she just was as a person around the rest of the mm-hmm. cast and the crew and even the catering. I will never forget. It was one late day where we broke for lunch. And because she was just so vivacious and, like, full of life and humor and energy. Like, you know, when there's kind of like a cat, a lot of times, whether it's the director or or the lead actors, like sometimes it's the captain of the ship. You right. know, like they really, they set the mood, they set the energy level, they set, set whether it's a positive experience. And Connie Selica was just magnetic mm-hmm. and, and effortlessly. Like she just, I mean, I literally, if you can see me on screen, like right. I have to use my arms when I talk <laughs> about her because she was just this light and bright and effervescent. And fun and funny and kind and embracing. And there was one day at lunch and, you know, she just like went into like for catering. Like there's like the big catering trucks, which now people are used to, you know, you have like, yeah, like all the street trucks. Well, at the time, the only time there were street trucks were like that was the catering house. And Connie, I just remember, and she went in the, you know, the catering truck and she's goofing around with the guys and (laughs) giving them hugs or messing up their hair or picking up a ladle. Like she was just (laughs) in there so fun and so funny i just remember standing outside and again it was like note to self when you have your own series you like this right i mean I literally have goosebumps because it was it was such an inspiration to to lead with with joy and and with love and with respect i mean every everybody was you know Important and and worthy and interactable, right. you know, like just everyone around her. And so, yeah, it was it was a really great lesson early on, right?
2: Uh,
1: that you know, I I would love to work with her again and tell her that or run into her, right? You know, like those are the kinds of things that you know when you see these people again. It's like thirty years later. You want to go, Connie? You don't know this, but back on that show, I just. Like she really, she set a, she set a good rhythm f- for me. And, uh, it's, it's nice when you get on a show and you see the star of the show. Right. Be, be that generous to everyone, not just the other actors, you know, they're as, as lovable to the Dolly grip, you know, or to the, you yeah. know, the guy pulling cable and, and, um, yeah, she was. I, I I hope I get the opportunity yeah. to tell her because it it still inspires me. Yeah,
0: that's great. Yeah, I, I had Greg on a couple of years ago. Oh, really? show, yeah. So it was good. All right. So before we get to Fantastic Four, I get to ask you about one more role, which you are a complete bitch on. Was Beverly Hills? I don't know too yes. Yeah, you played uh, Brenda's uh, boss at the little boutique. Deidra. Yeah, Deidra, and you were so you know bitch even threw Santa Claus out of the store. <laughs>
1: Wasn't that fun?
0: That was, yeah.
1: That was my two best bitchy. Is that nine hundred two one zero and um, Love Potion number nine?
0: I was going to ask you a question about that.
1: <laughs> oh my god! Well, you know the thing is, the best bitchy—it's all in the writing, right? Because I learned that from Dale Launer, who wrote and directed uh, Love, Love Potion, Potion number White. nine. Because I'm not—I'll I'm, I'll come back to nine hundred two one zero, but it, oh, it was sure. in the same kind of vein. Right. Because if anybody's seen uh, Love Potion Number Nine, there's two scenes like very early on, and the thing is, those scenes were added later. Okay. They had shot Love Potion Number Nine, and then in the editing and cuts, uh, Dale had decided, "Oh, you know, we need something here, we need something there," and it was literally two years. Oh, wow. later. It was after the the initial, you know, the initial production. Right. So I just have these two scenes with with Tate Donovan. Yeah. That, you know, oh my God, just verbally castrate him. Right. In bar. <laughs> yeah. and, and Dale, it was just, it was the best direction because at first I was playing it kind of bitchy and he's just like, okay, if he's a real guy and you're and if, like, this scene really happened in a bar, you're being so mean to him. He he would walk away. He would leave. Like, who's yeah. going to sit and take that and you from you? Right. But he said, it's that whole you know, draw him in with honey. He said, just let the words do the heavy lifting. He said, you know, the words are evil enough. Now say these evil words as nicely as you can. And like, that's really, that's the key to playing like the ice queen bitch is just say the evil stuff as nicely as you can, because then people are kind of frozen, you know, because you're kind of like, did she just say what I thought she said, yeah. but then you do it with such kindness or, mm-hmm. you know, and so, uh, so I learned a lot from Dale with that and that, yeah. that performance that, I mean, that yeah. movie, those scenes, that is the, I am still recognized for that. I mean, what year, I mean, what was that like? Nineteen ninety
0: ninety one 91,
1: maybe? 91? I, I mean, I was literally somewhere the other day and it was so funny. It was like a young, yeah, wow, like, I yeah. don't know, I was at some restaurant or a party or something and this girl, she's like, oh my God, I can't believe it's you. That's my favorite movie. And you know, like when people kind of do the yeah. dialogue and I'm like, how do you recognize me? Like right. now after all these, just, yeah. oh, I recognize you anyway. I love that part so right. much. <laughs> and that movie, actually, I went to see in a movie theater and I sat in the very back, like, you know, because it's just fun. Yeah. Like, watch to right the reaction it was hilarious, hilarious because yeah. the audience is like they just hated my character right. Like, yes right my work here is done perfect very <laughs> much and so yeah nine hundred two and is that yeah. same kind of way that you know that my character Deidre was just such a bitch yeah. Like, unapologetically yeah I mean it's just like I don't have to cover this is who I am that's and that's the way it's going to be, which is exactly what I say to Shannon Doherty's character. Yeah, right. And that's the way it's going to be. be. And uh, the one, I have to tell you a funny side story, if you don't yeah. mind. From 902 From 90210. Yeah. Because that's always the stuff that's more fun. Okay, so 90210, I did two episodes. I was right. like the same character. I'm, I'm her boss, and I'm just yeah. I'm so evil. And, uh, but when I was working, I mean, all my scenes were, it, it was with all the girls. Like I didn't, right. I didn't work with Jason Priestley or, um, Luke Perry at all. But, you know, again, you break for lunch, everybody goes yeah. to lunch at the same time if they're around. And so really Jason and, 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 Luke I'd met, but just at lunch and, you know, sat next to them. Okay. So that again, what year was that? What that was,
0: that was probably this 91, 92 kind of
1: thing. So how many years ago? Don't do the math. Just realize it was a lot of years ago. (laughs) Right. So I'm at this little grocery store down the street there, like where there's a butcher section where like I get like the dog food at the butcher. So I'm at the butcher. I was just back from the gym. So I have, you know, like my hair in a ponytail, you know, gym clothes on, whatever, standing there in line at the butcher. There's a guy Mm -hmm. behind me and, uh, you know, order my stuff and I get a bag of dog food and he has his dog with him um because we're we rescue dogs and okay. so you know, i know a lot about dogs right. you know you learn a lot just by osmosis through all yeah. the rescuing and so as i get my dog food this guy behind me is like oh i didn't know that they have dog food here and i'm like oh yeah well blah 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 and this is why you know raw dog food is is good for your dog system oh is this your dog oh hello whatever the dog's name was lucy hello how are you talking to the dog rustling up the dog and yeah. this guy i'm like well, yeah, just you know, how, what do you normally feed her? Okay, we'll go ahead and do the dry food, but you know, maybe put a half a block of this in, just take it out the night before. yacking yeah. yakking on and on and on about his dog and blah, blah, blah. Right. And then finally, you know, I'm like, so then I'm like, all right, nice talking to you. And I walk away. Yeah. And he's he's like, All right, bye, Rebecca. And I'm like, stopped it. And this is when like I turn into like the painfully shy seven-year-old that right. I always was. like yeah. I couldn't really talk to people until I was in high school. I was the shyest child <laughs> you've ever met in your life. And so then part of me, it's like fight or flight. I'm like,
2: yeah.
1: how does this guy know my name? Yeah. And so part of me's like, just go to the car. Just go to the car. Yeah. And the other part, I kind of turn around and I'm like, how do you know my name? Yeah. And he just kind of like looks down and he's like, oh, we we worked together once. And I was like, oh, and I said, what did we work on? Yeah. And he said, oh, it was just a TV show. Right. And so I'm sitting there, and I am face-to-face, like, looking at this guy, <laughs> right. and I'm thinking, oh, you know, he was, you know, like, a grip, or maybe yeah. he was a driver, and I'm, you know, you're kind of, like, Rolodexing in your brain, and I'm like, right. just... Oh well, that's oh that's so sweet that he remembered yeah. my name. And so again, part of me's like, just leave. Yeah. And the other part, and I'm like, I'm like, well, what's what was the name of the show? Yeah. What did we work on?
0: Right.
1: And he was like, oh, there used to be this show called Nine Hundred Two One Zero. And I just look at him, I'm like, yeah. oh my god, it was Luke Perry. Oh wow. <laughs> I had been standing there in the butcher talking to Luke Perry. like 15 minutes right (laughs) I didn't even know I am such a dork like this is kind of out of context and whatever he's got you know a beard and a hat on too and you know it's just like he's just a guy at the butcher right right? and as soon as I realize it's Luke Perry then I really turn into like this total seven-year-old dork and I just kind of stare at him and I go okay goodbye and like, I ran out to my car and I'm like, what is wrong with me? Because all of a sudden, like, yeah. I am like, and then I'm in the car and like, oh I call God. my husband, and I'm literally crying. I'm like, oh my God. I like, I'm so, I just can't believe how dorky I am. Like it was Luke <laughs> And then as soon as I realized it was him, I was so embarrassed. My husband's like, he's like, go back in and talk to him. What is wrong yeah. with you?" And I'm like, well, because now I'm all embarrassed. <laughs> he's like are you crying he's like go talk to him i'm like i know i feel so stupid and it was just and like again yeah i was just like what is wrong with me like why didn't I? i'd been talking to him but like yeah. he, there's a part that still gets starstruck. but more importantly how did a he recognize me yeah and b remember my name wow from that long ago right from that long ago? And so then, from that moment on, I, I tried, like, crazy to find him. Because then I wanted to go, I was so, oh, like, God, it's a right. funny story. I'm like, when I see him again, yeah. that is going to be the funniest story. Yeah. And so, uh, I'd even, like, I'm like, go online. It's like, God, does he have a fan club? And, you know, yeah. I, maybe they can get a hold of him. Because, like, he wasn't on Twitter or Instagram or right. like that I could, or, you know, I could send a message, yeah. but I'm sure he's getting a million messages. He's not going to read mine. And even a friend of mine, cause he was, he was on Riverdale at the time. Right. So a friend of mine is on Riverdale. I'm like, next time you're there, can you find him and tell him? And she, she's like, well, I, I'm really never like our storylines never crossed. Like, I'm like, could you write him a note? And leave it in a I was like doing anything to try to (laughs) please tell him I'm so embarrassed, but it's still funny. And you know, and then sadly, yeah, it was too late. You know, so it's like I never gotta tell Luke Perry how embarrassed I was or how because I'm just like, when we meet again, this is gonna be the funniest story. story. Because I literally like ran out of the store. I was like, why did I do that? I don't know. I'm just (laughs) but I just you, but that shows what kind of a guy he is.
2: Yeah.
1: that he remembered my name thirty odd years later. You know, I was like so impressed. Like he he was really an incredible guy.
0: Yeah, it's anyway, a, a funny story with yeah. a yeah, yeah. an ending
1: different that you know we would have. You know anybody absolutely. Would
0: have
1: happened,
0: yeah, so. I, absolutely. All right, I've uh, got to transition get Fantastic Four now okay uh, yeah so like this is the third of a series i'm doing you know with with the cast and um so what was like the audition process was it pretty much standard what did you know going in to the i didn't
1: know much you know i mean i knew it was a comic book you know that was way before there was the internet so you right. couldn't look anything up you had to go to a i went to a comic book store and uh because first just on the breakdown like when there's auditions you know there's just a thing that goes around like to all the agents and it basically says you know female age blah 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 you know and it kind of describes the character and so i'm like well, okay sounds like me you know right (laughs) description yeah and uh went to a comic book store so i'm like oh okay i'm like oh oh wow she looks like me (laughs) you know (laughs) i'm like Okay, I'm I'm a little ahead of the game here. This is good. And so all I really did, you know, because they have their little suits on that I wore, you know, basically, you know, like a Leotardy type of yeah. outfit that I had, you know, like, you know, tight what would be yoga pants these days. I no, never really never really, you know, but right. and then and like a tight little black turtleneck. So it was just kind of you know, kinda of like a cat suit. It was it was very uh, you know, uh from the Avengers, the old Avengers, were. right,
0: uh, right, right, yeah.
1: Uh, so yeah, I just wore that black, like super tight turtleneck and like tight bottoms, and yeah. uh, and did the audition. And then I remember specifically when I when I was done with the audition, uh, Oli, the director, he, he said he said thank thank you for dressing the part. Because I figured, you know, it's gonna be important. You know, the girl in this movie is gonna to have to be running around in this yeah. leotard. I I should show them that at least can I can yeah. wear one and I yeah. feel confident and you know. So that was all that I could really do besides the yeah. scene was was where was where the Leotard. And uh, I don't even remember if there was a callback. There might have been a callback. Or maybe it was just the one audition. I don't even remember. But I got it. Yeah. I was very excited because who doesn't want to be, you know, a comic book character? But I didn't really know anything about Fantastic Four that I wasn't, you know, a big comic book fan. So I kind of had to learn that. And the thing that was somewhat peculiar is that it was right at Christmas. Like we were starting shooting, like right when everybody else in the universe is shutting down because it was Christmas. So that was actually the first Christmas of my life that I never went home for Christmas. It's like, well, I have to stay because I'm shooting this movie. Because I think we started like on December 18th or 19th or something. And so literally we shot like over the Christmas holidays and and New Year's holidays. And then it was kind of like then by the time we were done shooting, everybody else came back to town and work started again. And so again, like almost like going back to like the bubble, it was our little... Our little family, yeah. because it's like everybody else was like right. gone for Christmas, and we were like the only people in town working, or you know, kind of the only yeah. people in town. It felt like, <laughs> but but it really was like a family because, ironically, and I've talked about this in in other interviews, uh, Jay Underwood, who played my my brother, right, literally lived like two blocks away from me. It was like because he yeah, was one day, he yeah. it like, it's like where do you? It's like you. Like, he lived two blocks away. And yeah. so we started, you know, if our if our call times were similar.
0: Carpool, would right? Me up.
1: Yeah. So he and I would just, like, drive to work together. And he physically looks and acts so much like my real live brother. Right. That it was like, there was, like, no acting involved. It was yeah. like, oh, my little brother. And then Carl, who was the, he was actually the stuntman that was inside of right. the suit, was my neighbor as well. Oh, like that's funny! Two blocks in the other direction, right? And the fact that you're in Los Angeles and three of the cast members yeah. all live like within <laughs> a two block radius, yeah, it's got to be one of you know pr- pretty rare, right? You know, it was the 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 nature of that movie and and kind of just I don't know who. We all were as people, not just us four, but yeah. only the director and Joseph Kolb, who yeah. played Dr. Doom, and Carl, you know, who was in the suit. Man, it was an immediate, like, tight-knit group. Right. Like, it was a real buddy movie. And if there's a reason that I think, you know, this this movie is still in, even in its, yeah, in, in its kind of, you know, prehistoric, <laughs> you know, compared to, like, how they make movies now. Right. I think the the lasting, uh, the, the glue that really keeps it together is that it, it really is a buddy movie of the Fantastic Four. And then the fact that all of us were just as, you know, kind of close yeah. at the time, all close to our characters. All of us were ironically very similar to our characters in real life. And so it just kind of played it played right. itself. It was it. It was a really unique chemistry yeah. that I don't think happens very often.
0: Right? Do you? I mean, uh, since being so like close knit, do you guys kind of discuss like what's going on here? Why it's discussions that this movie might not be released? Did you guys even know about? You know, I didn't of that?
1: know at the time. I mean, there was it was a very collaborative effort because a lot of times, and i worked on like a lot of films yeah. that don't have a big budget. If, you know, the thing is, when there's no budget, there, right. there's no money and there's no time. Right. And those are like the two things that productions really mm-hmm. need. It's like, we have no money, we have no time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All we have is each other. And so it was very collaborative. And and discussions that we had during the making of the movie were really about the comic book. Okay. It, it, was, it, it was everybody's effort to make it as accurate to the comic book because you're right. well, comic book fans, yeah. they know more about this. Than yeah. Like we can't fool them. Right. You know, this is our audience. And, and there was a, you know, a dedication and an honor. You go, we have to do it like this. And part of the timelessness of it too, is even the look of the film is a little timeless in the sense that we really tried to make it look like the comic book. Huh which came out like in the early 60s. And yeah. so part of the budget just, you know, made right. it look like that. Yeah. But it, it, it was intentional. And so most of the discussions at the time were about accuracy of, you know, the situation of the book. Yeah. The, because obviously some things had to change for the movie. That yeah. in the book. Uh But at the time, no, we, we didn't know at all. Right. And anything, the most one of the most exciting parts about doing it is like, well, we'll do this again. I mean, there will have to be sequels because right. our whole movie is really just the setup. Setup exactly. Because our whole movie is, you know, they're real people who have to learn how to become superheroes. Like we right. kind of deal with these you know phenomenal yeah. you know, powers that we have and how do we use them and how do we acquire them and so it's really not until the very end of the movie that we're like whoa hey we're superheroes we yeah. can do this stuff and so it's it was kind of like the launching pad and so that was for me personally the excitement is like we'll get to do more mm-hmm. and hopefully the next time we'll have more money and right. then we do this and then we can do that and maybe there'll be an animated version and then we can do the voices Yeah, and so it was all you know everybody was all in like there was there was no reason to worry and since there was no budget everybody was like we've got to make this as as good Mm -hmm. as we can you go yeah it's it's ultra low budget there's no doubt Mm -hmm. about it there's stuff that we can't change but whatever we can make as best as possible it's up to us because that's all we have and this has to be really good with the limited resources that we have and they were really limited because even you know these the the sets weren't even sets made for this movie they were right. sets from
2: other Concord
1: you know other Roger yeah. Corbin movies that happened to be you know set up in this and and it was even it was condemned I mean this this studio that we were at we weren't even supposed to be at, you know, it wasn't even probably legal to be shooting in there. And they were oh my God, like cockroaches and rats. Yeah. Like we didn't even have dressing rooms. Like it was, I mean, it was like, hey, here's yeah. a, here's a barn. Let's hurry up and make this yeah. movie before they demolish it. And they literally knocked that studio down. I think, you know, as soon as we were yeah. done. So it was, there was, there was no, no cushion mm. for anything. So it was really like all we had was each other, but I think that's what bonded us. And, you know, we'd even gone, um, Alex and and Michael had, you know, made arrangements mm. like at Comic-Con and right. it had really different public appearances for us. And it was like huge response that, you know, you're just kind of like, I don't know, will anybody know, will anybody care? And the fact that the fans were on this, like glue off the top and we're like, Oh my God, this is gonna be better than we even thought because oh, you know, they are really excited and yeah. you know, and and it was and it felt good for us as actors to talk to the fans, reassuring them. It's like, no, you're you're sure. gonna be happy. You know, it's like, yeah, we made sh- like we took care of you guys in, in our you yeah. know it was, it was kind of unthinkable. You go, well, why wouldn't somebody do it accurately? Why why would you? do a, a comic book and then change everything. You know, like it was so innocent, but I think that's why it's still viable Right. because all of the other versions, it's like, let's make it bigger. Let's make it this. Let's change that. And they deviated from what the fantastic, you go,
0: yeah.
1: You, know, you guys lost everything. And so that's what I love about ours that you go, my God, could you imagine if we had had a budget, like if we had had yeah. money and, and, time and you know special effects yeah I mean how do you like on a million dollars make a special effects movie you yeah. can't even make a commercial right I mean at the time you couldn't make a commercial for a million dollars and like we're making a movie that needed a lot of effects yeah effects so you know you just kind of go well the heart's just going to have to carry it through we're just going to do
0: and it did and it, <laughs> it did. really did yeah.
1: So, if there's another, you know, I don't know. There's, there's always talk that there's going to be another one, you know. And I hope I'm putting it out there in the universe that when there is another one, that we get to be part of it somehow. Which I think will be a great nod to the fans because all the real fans know us, and they know that like our version, which was their version. You know, really got yeah. kind of shortchanged. And so I think that it would be it, it would be very noticeable. I think that it would be really nice if the next production of this incorporated us somehow, you know, appropriately so. yeah. for whoever we could be. Yeah. I could still be Johnny and Sue's mom. Okay? I right. could. <laughs> um and it'd be funny. And the people that know, you know, it's always nice to have kind of you know those yeah. inside jokes and everybody's a really good actor you know i mean michael oh my god like he would be like so great as one of the bad guys this oh. time and how funny you know that that yeah. you have this character in a later incarnation being you know one, yeah. of, or maybe he could be one of the good guys you know but it's it would just be so there's parts that we would all just fit in so perfectly you know and joseph and and Jay and yeah, you know, they're, it's, they we're mm-hmm. such a great, group. you know, you have to say if, if it's a movie that, you know, got shelved, blah, 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 it, it's had more of a life because, because of it. Of like, right. It's actually, it's, it's, it's been like this underground fuel that maybe if it got released, you go, it would have been yeah. one and one. And, you know, 30 years later, we all wouldn't be together, you know, still yeah. laughing about it but it's nice because it still brings you know right. us together and in you know sometimes you know just but it is funny because now whenever any of us read any kind of article there's something on the internet about so, yeah. you know it's like there, there's like always like, like the group email send like, to sure. all, like oh here's another story here's another this and so uh, uh it'll be fun when we can all get together again yeah because we're the Fantastic Four.
0: You, Yeah, you are, absolutely. And, you know, besides your movie, they still haven't done it right. So yeah. let's let's fingers crossed that they will, and they'll, you know, invite you guys to do it. Did you take anything from the set? Do you, you have your costume or anything like that or no?
1: No. No. What I do have somewhere, which is the biggest, I think, treasure of all... Again, that was back in 92. And video, ca- like home video cameras had yeah. just come out. And since this was Christmas, that's what I got for Christmas was my video camera. Right. Because normally I'm always taking pictures and it was way before, you know, Instagram and all that kind of stuff. But since I had my video camera, I took a lot of behind the scenes. Like I love all the making up and, you know, whatever, shooting craft services. Yeah. Or- <laughs> and so there is film that but it's packed away because years ago I moved and everything from that house went like into long-term storage, like Indiana Jones kind of storage yeah. where you put it in a big crate and it's
2: in some warehouse.
1: And so all of that is in a box somewhere. And so even when they were doing doomed, they're like, Oh, do you have pictures? I'm like, no, I don't have any pictures because I took all this videotape. They're like, Oh my God, do you have the videotape? I'm like, I do, but somewhere. And even in this storage, it's the kind of storage that you have to pay them to go in to get stuff because it's storage. It's just stored away. And then you get it out when you want it out. And so even those guys were like, well, how much would it cost to go in there and get it? I'm like, oh my God, it's going to be like a needle in a haystack because it's like everything that I had in this house. and like Whatever box it was in, which is in another box, which is surely in another box. So... Even though, yeah, no, I don't have because all of my clothes were my own clothes, okay. Except for the Fantastic Four yeah. suit, yeah, and the wedding dress, which he got like at a thrift store for like five dollars <laughs> right. and kind of sewed it all back together yeah. to make it fit. Everything else that I wore were my, my own clothes, so I I don't even know if I even have those anywhere. But yeah. I guess if I have them, right. I guess they're oh I should go. But you know, those would be in that same long ago storage Mm -hmm. now they might be worth something that oh this is a storm dress but one of these days when i get into that storage i'm going to get that videotape and it's going to have to be you know converted to whatever digital somebody can make out of it please i hope the technology will still exist by the time but that is going to be an absolute treasure
0: that'd be great to watch yeah
1: I'm like, that really excites me because I'm like, what, you know, but it really is a treasure chest because you go, I don't, I don't know what's, what's on the tape. I mean, it was just stuff that we shot, like either us goofing around or maybe I got other scenes being made. I mean, I, I don't even know, but that is going to be, so I need to find that. Uh, and use that to bribe the next producers into letting me be in the next movie. It's yeah. like, be in a movie. I'll let you Hope be so. in the yeah,
0: exactly. movie. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Great so,
0: actors on the DVD. <laughs>
1: yeah, because, yeah, Alex has one of the – he has one of the heads that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, one of the thing.
0: Yeah. Heads.
1: Joseph has some stuff. He has some of Doom stuff. Yeah, but no, uh-huh. I don't have anything –
0: um, that's too bad. yeah <laughs> exactly but i this was fantastic rebecca i really appreciate your time today but i'm gonna leave you with one question um did you ever figure out how to synthesize the methylated alkaloid?
1: <laughs> no no but look at my top
0: yeah. <laughs> I can't tell you who designed it. I'm sorry.
1: Who designed my top? Yeah. Oh, my God. That. Farfig Yeah, exactly. That's 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 the. Do you know that answer, though? I don't, I don't know. I, I
0: have mean. no idea. No, but I don't know. Yeah. But... <laughs> And a special thanks to Rebecca for joining me today. You can follow her on Twitter at RebeccaStaub1. And if you have a guest suggestion, you can hit me up on Twitter at the first null19 or like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes, not a problem. Shows on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music. Basically where we can find a podcast. We'll continue with interviews with cast members from Roger Corman's unreleased Fantastic Four movie in the near future. Stay safe, everybody, and we'll see you next week.